0: to Deuteronomy chapter 5, please. I want you to follow with me now as we preach the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And I'm going to give you some Bibles. This preaching time. I'll preach to you a little bit. And uh, we'll get right into the message. And so let's see if we can get that done now. Deuteronomy chapter 5. I'd like to read verse number 32. Now, you're looking down. You found your place. You look so comfortable, and I hate to disturb that, but I'm going to have you stand up. Stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. Follow with me in your Bible. I'm going to read several scriptures, and you will, they'll be right here, and you can let see them. Deuteronomy chapter number 5, verse number 32. And ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye turn not aside to the right hand, uh, not turn aside, to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you. And that ye may, now if you mark in your Bible, and I highly suggest you do, if you don't have your pen today, bring one this evening, and you mark in your Bible different words, phrases, and verses that mean something to you. And the next time you're reading your Bible, (coughs) the next time you're having your personal Bible reading time, you come to what you mark, you remember what you heard. It'll help you remember, and then you come to church, and some preacher's preaching, and it comes across that same text. You underline that. I remember Pastor Brown preached on that verse, and it will be a great aid to you. So, if you mark in your Bible, mark these three words: "Prolong your days." If you'll walk in the ways of the Lord, ye shall prolong your days. Now turn the page, same chapter, and verse number 2. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. There's that word again, that thy days may be prolonged. Underline it again. That thy days may be prolonged. Now turn back about two pages. To Deuteronomy chapter four and verse number twenty six there it is right there chapter four verse twenty six I call heaven and earth uh, to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it, ye shall not Prolong your day. Now, here he says, if you do these things, you won't prolong your days. If you do these other things, you will prolong your days. Underline the phrase again, ye shall not prolong your days. Then I want you to turn the page and look in the same chapter, verse number 40. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee. And that thou mayest, whoop, there it is again, prolong thy days upon the earth which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And then I want you to notice chapter 5, verse number 16. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged. Underline it again. That thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, It is very clear in the Bible that God gives you a road map and a pattern by which you can live longer. And by the way, it is God that determines whether we live or die. But he gives some things into your hands so that you can prolong your life. It's all the way through the Bible. Proverbs 3, 2, for length of days and long life shall they add unto thee, talking about the scriptures. 1 Kings 3, 14, and I will lengthen thy days. Psalms 91 in verse number 16, will long, with long life will I satisfy him if he does certain things. Exodus 9, 15, I will smite and thou shall be cut off, meaning your life will be shortened. God has given all of us certain in rights, And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you and I have been given life, and we have a responsibility to prolong that life, and God gives us the formula and the prescription by which we can prolong that life. Now, somebody says this, now, Pastor Brown, you've done crossed the line, you've done jumped the fence, there is a set time, When you're going to die, and there's nothing in this world you're going to do about it, when God's appointed time for you to come, comes, you are going to die. You're going to get scripture with all these other scriptures. You're going to die. In the first place, nobody in this room believes that. You don't believe there's a set time. You can't change it. You can't shorten it or lengthen it. Because if you think that, what's this big interstate we came in on? It wasn't 85. What was it? 83. I tell you what, you do about midnight tonight, you go out there and spread a pallet in the middle of 83 and just take a nap. There's nothing going to hurt you. Because if it's not your appointed time, you're not going to die anyway. I mean, you're safe. I mean, there's nobody in this room. There's nobody in the right mind believes that. Now, let me teach you something very important. Matter of fact, I'll pray and let you sit down. I'm, I get on a roll. I tell you, I get so intense when I preach. You might be standing there the whole sermon. That wouldn't be good. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'll bless us now. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. And Lord, teach us some good things out of the Bible as we preach the Bible for we ask it in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated please. Now what I've said so far seems to be contradictory but it's not. I've given you multiple scriptures where God promises you if you do certain things you can live longer. And I've given you other scriptures that prove that if you do certain other things, negative or wrong, you will live shorter. And over and over again, the scriptures I've just told you tells you that. Now watch this. In Job 7, verse number 1, let's listen to it as I read it. Is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth Are not his days also like the uh, days of a hireling? You hire somebody, you know how long you're going to work because that's what you're going to pay them for. And here's what he said. Now watch it now. Is there not an appointed time by God for you to die on planet earth? There sure, sure is. But... God has that time set and he will allow you to prolong it or shorten it based on the amendments that he puts in the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you'll ask God, he'll prolong it. Let me show you this. Isaiah 38, and verse number 1. Listen carefully now. You can jot them down if you want to, but Isaiah 38, verse number 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Isaiah, your time's up. Hezekiah, your time's up. This is your appointed time. You're going to die. This is the time God set. And God sent me as a prophet here to tell you this is your dying day. You're going to die this day. Now let me read after that. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and done that which is good uh, with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Oh, God! I don't want to die I know it's my time to die I know it is your prophet came and told me this is dying time for me but Lord I've walked before you in a perfect heart and I asked you to give me some more time and I asked you to extend my life and Hezekiah wept sore and then the Bible says then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying go back go back say to Hezekiah Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer and I have seen thy tears and behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. So God said, okay, this is your appointed time. There is an appointed time. I don't know when my appointed time is and you don't know when your appointed time is and I may never know because I can extend it. I can extend it by choices I make. I can extend it by asking God to extend it. Now, we've all got to die sometime, and we know that. But many people die before dying time comes, and many people die earlier than they should. Uh, You say, how do I live long? Well, one thing is, get out of the bed as quick as you can of a morning. You know, more people die in bed than any other place. Get out of that dangerous bed as quick as you can. But anyway, uh, I'm just simply saying you can prolong your life. And you can ask God and God will prolong your life. And I'm preaching to you this morning on how to prolong your life. Number one, you can prolong your life morally. Look here in our text again. And look in chapter 5. And verse number 16, Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Um, One of the greatest preachers I ever knew in my life and a wonderful man of God. He, had, he pastored a church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I was assistant pastor to Bobby Robertson. And in that town, he had a great church. And it was a big church. And he built a super big building. And he had the big national Sword of the Lord conference there every year in his church. I mean, we heard the likes of R.G. Lee and the likes of Tom Malone. And we heard the likes of, of, of the great the Lester Roloffs, the great preachers of God. And we heard them all. And I went there and heard of myself. And when uh, this pastor got to be 50 years old, he called his children together. He had several children. He called his children together, and here's what he said. And he told, they told my pastor what he said. He said, children, um, I don't want to shock you, but your daddy's not going to live much longer. If the Bible is true when it says, honor your father and mother that your days will be prolonged, I won't be living much longer. And then he insinuated, why? Because of the way I treated my mother and daddy. Because of the disobedience I gave them. Because of the way I disgraced them. Because of the way I totally disregarded their leadership and their commands to me. As a young person growing up, I will not live. And shortly after that, he had a heart attack and died. I'm thinking I was holding a meeting in Florida. And a fellow told me, I was there at his home. And a fellow told me uh, about his son. He said, you know, I, I tried to tell him, and I warned him, and I told him not to do it, and I tried to tell him. He said, he'd get up on the roof of the house, beautiful home, a swimming pool there, a beautiful pool uh, backed up right to the house. He said, he'd get up on the roof of the house and dive into the pool. And he said, I said, son, you don't understand. These pools aren't made for diving. They're made for Swimming. And you, you, you dive off the house, there's too much momentum. You're going to hit your head on the bottom. Oh, Dad, I've got it down. You know, disregard. To, and so, sure enough, came off the house, hit his head on the bottom. And now for the rest of his life, he sits in a wheelchair, spastic, paralyzed from waist down, uh, from neck down. I'm just simply saying. Um, and so, uh, it is an amazing thing. Young people, you better listen to me. You can blow your own foot off. You say, well, my mom and dad's not perfect. No, and you're not either, and you're not going to get to be when you're a parent. Some of you think you have these glorious ideas about what a perfect parent you're going to be. The truth is, you're not going to do much better than some of the rest of us have done when it comes your turn. But I'm just saying this, you better learn to obey your parents, and you better do the right thing even if your parents aren't right sometime. Uh, you better learn that. Morally, you can prolong your life, and we all know this. And uh, uh, prolong your life morally um there was a this is a true story it's tried to be denied but found to be true um there was a girl who was begged by her mother i've got the article i got part of it on my outline i got the rest of it in the front of my bible here her mother begged her honey don't go tonight with those uh, kids she had some friends they were not good friends They were coming to get her. It was a Friday night. And the mother begged her. She said, Mama, I'm going. Now you say what you want to, I'm going. And she begged her. And finally they pulled up in the drive. And the mother, still begging, the girl went out with her to the car. And when she got to the car, the mother saw they were already drinking. They were already drinking, including the driver. And she begged her, said, Honey, don't get in that car. Please, don't get in that car. And she got in the car. It was summertime. The window was down. And the mother holding her hand, said, Honey, please get out. Don't get in that car. And she looked up at her mother and said, Mama. And and then the mother finally said, Well, if you're going to go, then God go with you. And the girl looked up at her mother and said, Mama, if God goes in this car, he will have to ride in the trunk. Because it's already full up here. And with a smirk, they pulled away. I think it was six hours later, every parent got a call. That car had hit a bridge at a high rate of speed, and it killed everybody in that car. And they said, the officer said, there's no way you could recognize the car. and, uh, and, and But they said the strangest thing. They said in the trunk... Was a crate of eggs And none of them were broken She had assigned God In the trunk Let me tell you something Young people and parents and older people alike God will ride in your life In whatever department you put him in But if you can, If you consign God To the trunk of your life Don't expect to be protected In the main cabin of your life God will not force himself upon you. That's why he put a tree in the Garden of Eden was the tree of knowledge and evil. He could have created robots that could not sin and could not have been... Of course he could have. But he wanted you to choose him and love him because of the choices you made and not because you had to. He did not pre-program you and God will not force himself upon you and young people especially. You better listen to me. You will not, you will not disgrace your parents and disobey your parents and rebel against your parents and do well in life. Amen. And he said so here. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee morally, morally, the Bible says in 1 John five sixteen and 17, there is a sin unto death. I do not say that you shall pray for it. You wouldn't even pray for that. You say, what sin is that? That is the sin unto death where God takes your life. Oh, it's not a particular sin. It's just the sin that you cross the line with. It's the sin God kept warning you about. It's the sin God kept trying to draw you back from. It's the sin that you said, I'm going to do it, just like that girl in the car. I'm going to do it. And if God rides on me, he'll have to ride in the trunk. I'm going to do it anyway. And at some point, that sin, not any particular sin, but whatever sin is in your life that you will not, at some point, you cross the line, and there is a sin unto death. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 30, Paul was talking to the church at Corinth. They were saved. They were born again. And I can show you multiple scriptures to prove they were saved according to the testimony of the word of God. But here's what, Here's what Paul said to the church at Corinth. He talked about their sin. They were living in fornication, uh, all kinds of taking each other along, living in fornication, getting drunk at the Lord's table and all kinds of disgraceful things. Some of them were living with their mother-in-law, things that even the heathen don't do. And here's what Paul said to them. He said, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. The word sleep refers to death. He said, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Some of you have already died and the rest of you are sick because you're disobeying God. You can prolong your life or you can shorten your life by what you do. You cannot exalt yourself above God. John Lennon, and we know that name very, very well, historic name in the rock and roll world. Some years before he died, or some time before he died, he gave an interview to um, the London Evening Standard, it's been told. It was an American magazine interview. And people tried to, to, to attack this kind of preaching because uh, it was quoted as saying it was an American magazine. It was not an American magazine. It was a London Evening Standard They said he was shot six times. He was not shot six times. He was shot four times. And they try to discredit the story because of that. But the honest truth is, in an interview with the London Evening Times, here's what he said. Quote, Christianity will end. It'll disappear. I do not have to argue about that. I am certain Jesus was okay. I am certain Jesus was okay, but his subjects were too simple. Today, we're more famous than Jesus. Well... Not long after that he was shot four times and murdered and Jesus is still alive and Jesus is still doing well and you don't exalt yourself above the knowledge. You don't, you don't put yourself up above God and his authority in your life and do very well. You can shorten your life. There's a way to live longer. Uh, there's a way to live longer. In Acts 12 verse 23, the Bible says that Herod made a great oration to the people and he was so talented. The people cried out, oh, it's so good. It's the voice of a God and not a man. And because he didn't give glory to God, the Bible says in Acts 12, 23, he was eaten with worms immediately and died and gave up the ghost. You can live longer by what you do with certain certain commands of God, by the moral things you can live longer or, or shorter by what you do with God's book. Proverbs 3 and verse number 2. And listen to what he says here. He says, Proverbs 3, 2. My son, forget not my law. That's the word of God. Let let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. You'll live longer if you'll keep the word of God and study the word of God. Dr. Tom Williams was uh, on Masada, the mountain there in Israel or near Israel. And he was young. His wife was young. They were on a tour just some years ago. And as they were watching the sights and listening to the guide, Ms. Williams did this. Brother Williams looked around and said, Honey, are you all right? She said, Yeah, I've got a strange headache. Things escalated within a matter of moments. She was rushed to a hospital there in Israel and a Jewish. Doctor came out and said, Brother Williams, Mr. Williams, your wife has about 24 hours to live. And there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, she has the worst case of bacterial meningitis I have ever seen in my life. He said the the spinal fluid should be clear. He said, Hers is like buttermilk. And he says, She has about less than 24 hours to live. Dr. Tom Williams, of course, began to pray. He contacted people back in the States. Everybody started praying. And he took a tape recorder. She was unconscious. He couldn't get any response by now. She just went unconscious. And he took a recorder, and he hooked up, in those days it was cassettes, and he put earbuds in her ear, and he just played the word of God to her. 24 hours a day. Well, this Jewish doctor, of course, the Jewish doctor, a very devout Jew, but his lost. He didn't believe in Jesus Christ. They do not accept that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't believe much of the New Testament. Old Testament, yes, but not the New Testament. So he comes in. And he looks down. And he says, what's all this? And the nurse told him, said, uh, Dr. Williams said, this is to be played in his wife's ear uh, all the time because of the verse that says the word of God shall be health to thy navel, navel and marrow to thy bones he, he says in scripture she said yes he said where is it found She said, he, he said it's found in Proverbs 3 8 it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones huh. what if it's in the Old Testament it must be true And he wrote a prescription that that Bible was to be played in her ear 24-7. That woman lived 28 and a half more years. She went all over America with her husband. Now, she had some health problems, to put it mildly. But she went all over America with her her husband. She came to our church. They came to our church. They gave their testimony at a big Valentine banquet. One of the most amazing stories you ever heard in your life. And if that's what the Word of God will do to somebody that's unconscious and laying there, what will it do for you? You... Build your life and anchor yourself every day. Bury yourself. Get as much of this Bible in you as you can. Young people, memorize. See, look, I know dozens and scores of verses I can quote to you, but I didn't learn them in the last 30 years. I learned those when I was much younger than I am now, trust me. I don't know why it is, but you teenagers and young people, uh, my first wife and I, we would court each other. And every time we met, we would quote a chapter of the Bible together we had memorized. And those scriptures still come walking off the pages of God's word to me. And every time we, we memorized whole books of the Bible, we memorized chapters of the Bible. I'm so glad. I can't do it now. I can't memorize I don't know why I can't. My brain's too occupied with other things. But I know this. uh, uh, I know this. I know I'm glad I got the Word of God in me when I could. But anybody of any age better read it. At least we better read it. And it, length of days and long life shall they add unto you. I just read that to you. Several texts. Here in our text, chapter 4 in verse number 40. And listen to it again. 4 and 40. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth where the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. The word of God, God's book, God's house, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. I, I, I was talking to Keith Gomez. And i had heard this story some years ago And I, I called him up personally I said I want you to tell me from your own words He said Brother Brown it was on a Monday morning I'm sitting in my office I thought I was by myself in the church That beautiful beautiful large church there in Elgin I guess they built a church to 1200 people And he said I'm sitting in my office And all of a sudden I began to hear somebody Wailing out I could tell it was a man's voice And it said they were just wailing And said the awfulest wailing and crying out And I thought what in the world He said about rattle my nerves. He said, I got up and walked out of the office. I walked out in the vestibule of the church. I didn't see anybody. And I looked down that long curved hall that goes around the auditorium. And there on a real pretty bench sitting there, there was a man sitting there and he had something in his hands. He said, I was a good ways from him. And said, he was wailing, oh God, have mercy. Oh God. He said, I thought, what in the world? He said, I walked up to him and he was holding a pair of little, little child shoes. And said, when I walked up, he looked up at me. He said, I recognized him. He hadn't been saved long. He hadn't been coming to the church long. He looked up at me and said, you tried to tell me. You tried to tell me and I wouldn't listen. And here's what had happened. He hadn't been saved long, but he had some old buddies. And they called him up and said, let's go out to Lake Michigan. And let's do a little fishing on the weekend. Of course, a little drinking too, you know. And he had a little boy. And the little boy said, Dad, are we going to church this morning? And he said, son, we're not going to church this morning. We're going to have some fun. We're going to go fishing. And he said he went out to the lake and the little fellow was wading in the water and the undercurrent caught him, took him out and he drowned him. He said, if we'd have been where we're supposed to be, if we'd obeyed God and been... Let me tell you something. There's nothing in this world wrong with waiting in Lake Michigan, but you better not be in Lake Michigan when you're supposed to be in the house of God. I yeah. promise you that right now. I stood yonder in Lane Barlett Funeral Home, uh, and, and, and I stood over a young 30-ish uh, uh, lady, her husband laying in the casket. They were faithful members of our church. They, they were there, and then they got to missing. It was pretty weather." And they got to going down to the coast. This was in the church where I was assistant pastor. They got to going down to the ocean on the weekends, and they justified it. They said, "You know, we don't. We have to work five and six days a week, and we want to spend some time in the summertime here down at the ocean." So he said, "We got." To, she said, "We got to miss in church," and she stood over his body, and I'm standing there beside of her, and she looked down and she said, "He drowned it on Sunday." And if we'd have been where we're supposed to be, if we'd have been in the house of God, he'd be alive. Um, I'm telling you how you can prolong your life. I'm telling you how you can shorten your life. And uh, uh, so, uh, anyway. um, And then God's man, you better be careful what you say. This man right here we call pastor, did you know he's as normal as any other man in this room? Did you know that that he has to put his britches on like every other man in this world? And did you know he's not perfect? And if you don't believe it, you just candidly ask that woman he's sitting with and she'll tell you that he is not perfect. But however, he's a good man and I'm not demeaning that at all. but, But I'll promise you this right here. You listen to this Baptist preacher. Because of the position he holds and because he's pastor of this church, you better be careful what you say about him. And you better be careful the innuendos you throw to, somebody about your pastor. I'll tell you that right now. Look, if he, if, he, if he starts drinking something that's forbidden the scripture, get rid of it. If he swaps his wife off for two 20-year-olds, get rid of it. Well, you wouldn't have to. She'll kill him. That'd be the end of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you better be careful what you say. I, I wish I could preach on that. Yeah, yeah, I wish I could preach on that. Uh, I got preach a preacher friend in Louisiana And he said, I've got got a good church. He said, I got up on a Sunday morning and said, Hey, fellas, next Sunday morning deer season opens. And I love to go deer hunting. And I'm planning on going deer hunting. And I'm going to kill me a big buck this year. But I'm not going next Sunday morning. That's God's day and that's God's house. Now, fellas, look, I love to hunt as much as you do. But he said, now, I I want you to determine, we're going to put God first in this thing. And a young man walked up to him, 30-ish man, walked up to him and a faithful member, and he said, Preacher, with a smirk on his face, I want you to know I'm going to be in the woods next Sunday morning. I won't be at church. I'm going to be, nobody's going to get my big buck. With a smirk walked away. Now let me warn you about something. You may not always do everything that man preaches, but you better be careful how you rub it in his face. I mean, you're, you're asking for trouble. So, the next Sunday afternoon, this particular pastor got a call from that man's wife. And she said, Preacher, he didn't want me to call you. But they got him down here at the hospital. They're trying to dig some mighty big buckshot out of his head. You, you just come against the man of God. You better be careful uh, dis, disregarding and not having the right attitude. There is no law you got to come to this church. If you don't want him to be your pastor, go get you somebody else. But if, as long as you're here, you better be careful about putting your mouth on God's man. I done told you something right now. I didn't write in here on a load of pumpkins. I, I don't know everything, but I don't preach everything. I just preach what I know. And I'm telling you right now, you better be careful about that. And then God's warnings. Certain moral things that you can do. There's some things that are sacred. The house of God is sacred. The word of God is sacred. God's man is sacred. God's warnings are sacred. And uh, morally. And then mentally. Let me just touch this a little bit. Mentally. There are certain mental things that you can do. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Many of us here today need a checkup from the neck up. Amen. There are certain mental states that will cause you to live longer. And certain ones that will cause you to live shorter. How about Philippians 4, 8, and 9? Listen carefully now. It says here, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, if there be any, uh, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things and those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Direct your thinking. Get, in, get, get control of your mind. Direct. The Bible is very clear when it says pulling down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. That's mental images. Get it out of there. Put it down. And bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. My wife and I don't usually live in the convenience of a nice prophet's chamber like this. We're usually living in motel rooms like we did last night, uh, night before last, over at the uh, conference. And uh, so we eat in motels. We don't eat at home. Most times we're gone. We eat eat at home if we're home. But uh, we eat in motels. So we go to the breakfast room and my wife will help me oftentimes and she'll know where to set the place heading and I'll be getting some things and she'll be getting some things. But she knows where to put it. She knows where I sit. I sit with my back to that television uh, because I don't want to be looking at it just before I come over to the house of God to preach so a preacher, all oh, they're showing on there is the news. I know that. But that anchor woman is sitting there with her dress hiked up to her elbows. I don't need to be looking at that just before I come over here. I don't need to be thinking about that just before I come. See, I direct my thinking. I make sure things, uh, uh, so uh, direct your thinking. Number two, plan your worry time. <laughs> plan your worry time. Now, you shouldn't worry, but if you're going to worry, set a time, make an appointment with it. Have a time each week when you worry. And when something comes to your mind, oh, no, what am I going to do? Okay, I got an appointment. I'm putting that Friday evening at 6 o'clock. I get off 5, I'm going to come home. First thing I'm going to do is i sit down and start worrying about that and just accumulate things that you're going to worry about each week and put it on a certain appointment. And don't worry, don't ruin your whole week worrying, just worry at one time in the week. One man said this, he said, I started practicing that. And he said, amazing thing, I found out by the time I got to my worry time, 80 to 85% of everything I put down there had already taken care of itself. Did you know worry is like paying interest on money that you never borrowed? Yeah, that, that's exactly uh, what it's like. And uh, it's like a rocking chair. You know, you can work at it, but you're not going to get anywhere. Um, and plan your worry time. I don't know how we're going to pay rent next week. Okay, put that on Friday evening. What are we going to do? Here's a doctor's bill. How we go? Put that on Friday evening. I've got a child that's doing wrong, and I'm afraid this is or that's going to. Put that on Friday evening. Plan You a wor- You should not worry. I'm not justifying you. Worry. What, what I am saying is, if you're going to worry, do it sensibly. Uh, have a worry time. And then, here's another thing. Have a dumping station. You say, what do you mean? I mean, if you're worried about something, you got to have somewhere to take it. It's too much. Did you know the great Elijah? The one who could pray down the fire and the power of God got down under a juniper tree, worried sick, afraid a painted face Jezebel was going to get him. And she determined to get him too. And he's down under the juniper tree and he's worried sick. And the Lord comes to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? What doest thou here, Elijah? And here's what the Lord said to him. He said, Elijah, in 1 Kings 19, he said, Elijah, the journey is too great for thee. This journey you're on is too too much for you. I don't care if you are the great Elijah. That's your problem. You think he can handle anything. I don't care how strong and great you think you are. There's some things in life you can't handle. And the sooner you come to that and admit that and admit that to God, the longer you're going to live. He said, Elijah, the journey is too great for you. You need an assistant. We need to fix the political situation and the assistant. And We need to do this and that. Elijah didn't like it. He tried to avoid Elisha all he could. But God had given him some help. You've got to have a place to dump your problems. You cannot carry them. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. You've got to have a place to take your burdens. That's the reason you need to get the Ives music. That's the reason you need to play it around the house. It will help relieve some of that pressure. It'll get your mind on eternal things instead of earthly things. Yeah, Uh, my pastor used to tell about a fellow on a train years ago, and he got on the train. He had two big bags, and he got on the train. He was leaning against a post there, and and he stood there and stood there, and finally he said, "Oh man, it's getting heavy." Well, it's a fellow reading a newspaper, sitting there in the seat, and he looked up at him and said, "Sir, do you have a problem?" He said, "Yeah," he said. I can't hold this much longer. This is getting too heavy. The guy looked at him and said, what if you sit down in the seat? The train will carry it for you. And he did and was relieved. And that's kind of a silly illustration, but that's just how silly we are. I mean, we got a father in heaven casting all your cares. Good night, I'm talking about. Look, cast you got some I can't carry it on me. And some of you are that way here right now. You don't know what you're going to do. and you're, you're bearing it every day, casting all your cares upon him. Lord, if you can't carry it, I can't carry it. Live, die, come what may. Lord, if you can't handle that, I can't handle it. One fellow, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. He was awake, worried, sick, walking the floor. What am I going to do about it? So he decided to read his Bible. He opened the Bible. First verse his eyes fell on said, He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He said, Lord, according to this, you never sleep. You don't need any sleep. But I need sleep. And according to this, you're not going to sleep. Now, Lord, if you're going to stay awake, there ain't no use in both of us losing night's sleep. If you're going to stay, stay awake, I'm going to tell you what my problems are, and I'm going to go and sleep, and you can worry about them for me. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Look, folks, it's just that simple. It's just that simple. You mean you've got a God you cannot trust? I mean, you've got an eternal God that created the universe, and you're worried about what's going to happen. Your name's in the Lamb's book of life. You're going to heaven. You're as eternally secure as the blood of Jesus Christ can make you, and that's pretty secure. You've already been born into the family of God. You can't get unborn. And you're worried about what the future is going to be. Hello? Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field. They, They don't work, and yet your heavenly Father takes care of them. And the birds of the air, they don't work, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And God, be not dismayed. Whatever betide, God will take care of you. I wish I could sing like Alan Ives. If I could sing like Alan Ives, I'd spend half my preaching time just singing. That's what I do, yeah. But I can't. I envy people that can preach and sing. <laughs> yeah. And look, uh, mentally, um, you're going to have to get some things off of you. Some of you are not in good health mentally. Mentally. I did a study. I did a study on old people that lived a long time. And I found out some things about it. I preached Jeannie Peterson's funeral. Jeannie Peterson was 103 years old when she died. And she was a faithful member of my church. And right up until her last years, there she was faithful. And right up until her last year, she still had a right mind. She began to shake a little there toward the end. But Jenny Peterson, get this, was born in the 1800s, lived all the way through the 1900s, and died in 2001. Her life spanned three centuries, and I preached her. I wish you could have known her. I'd go in and cut up. She, she had a sense of humor. I'd go in and cut up with her. I'd say, I walked in one day, I said, Jenny, I heard something about you. She was about 100 years old. She said, what'd you hear? I said, I heard that you, you're applying to get your uh, CDL, and that you're going to start driving an 18-wheeler, and, and you're going to start. And I said, I, I was shocked. Oh no, no! She said that would not me. I'm not going <laughs> to. We carried on, had a good time. I wished you could have known my daddy's oldest sister, Aunt Daisy. She was the last one to go, and Aunt Daisy uh, was her next birthday was a hundred years old. And I'd already cleared my schedule to be there. Rhonda and I was going to be at her at her funeral, and uh, at, at, at her birthday. I mean, and uh, as she died at ninety nine. But I wished you could have known Aunt Daisy. I mean, you go to see her and your life would be, she wasn't giddy and silly, but man, she had such a peace and she was trusting the Lord and everything is okay. It, I wish you could have known her. I'd give you, my Aunt Daisy was delivering meals on wheels to the elderly at 91 years of age. We, Rhonda Hall was. Ain't Daisy, when we went down and she drove us all over town. 94 years old. And she drove us all over and we toured Reesville where I grew up there. I've studied these people, live a long time. There's a certain mentality they have. Yeah. Hey, you ought to get this list from your insurance company, life insurance companies, about things that happen in your life. And if you have two or three or more of them in a year, you better make sure your insurance paid up because you're not going to live long. You ought to get that. Yeah. I mean, your attitude. (laughs) An Irishman here in America, and he would always check in every uh, morning on the job as a factory he worked in. He'd walk in all those heathen around. He'd walk in and say, well, hallelujah for heaven. He'd say that every morning. Hallelujah for heaven. Well, one old infidel got tired of it. And one day he came in and said, hallelujah for heaven. And this old infidel said, well, hallelujah for hell. And this Irishman said, that's what I always say, every man for his own country. And (laughs) I mean, it's your attitude. It's your attitude. (laughs) Attitude. There's certain physical things you can do to live a long time or live shorter. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mightest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth, 3 John 1. He said, above all things, I wish you were in good health. God wants us to be healthy. Now, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're sick. Sometimes we die. But there's certain things. How many believes that you can take illegal drugs and take enough of them and shorten your life? Get your hand up. Hold it up. You believe that. You honestly, all of you do. Well, how many believe this? How many believes you could take enough over-the-counter drugs to kill yourself? Raise your hand. We all believe that. Well, I'll tell you one thing. There are certain things that you can eat and certain ways you can eat and kill yourself. Yeah, yeah. Just Relax. I'm not going to jump off there. You know, um, I've taken this morning in this room. I've taken condensed carrot juice. I've taken barley green. Did you know they have now proven that people that take uh, barley drink uh, barley green drink carrot juice every day die healthier than people who don't. Did you know that? <laughs> Hey, I, I got to quit. quit here. But <laughs> if you wouldn't enjoy this so much, I'd have quit preaching five, ten minutes ago. But, I, but uh, anyway, um, hey, when I had about five children. They were all young years ago. I'm walking down the street in my little corn town of Washington, Iowa, and I meet a farmer. And he's my age. He has the same amount of children I do. We're both as healthy as an ox, you know, and we're young. And um, so we got to talking. We got to talk about the cost of insurance. And he said, yeah, I pay so-and-so with Farm Bureau. I said, hold it. You're with Farm Bureau? He said, yeah. And this is what you pay? He said, yeah. I said, something's wrong. He said, what is it? I said, I don't know. something's wrong. I joined a preacher's group out of a tumble aisle down here. I'm not a part of their group, but I joined a preacher's group so I could get a better cut because preachers, you know, uh, get better rates. He said, well, I don't know about that. But he said, I said, I'm paying more than you are, and I'm in a preacher's group. What's the deal? He said, I don't know. But the office is right down there, four doors down. So you go down there and talk to the lady she's in. I just came out of there. So the next morning, I called the office. I said, uh, this is Larry Brown. She knew me. Small town, pastor in town. Uh, I said, I ran into so-and-so yesterday. She said, yes, he's one of our clients. I said, well, he was telling me we have the same risk factor. And he was telling me that he paid so-and-so for life insurance, and uh, for health insurance, I mean. It was health insurance. And, he, and I said, something's wrong. Ma'am, I'm with Farm Bureau also. But I joined a preacher's group in another town and to get a better rate. She said, that's right. And I said, I am paying more than he is. And he's not with the preacher's group. He's just joining all these drinking, smoking farmers out here. She said, that's correct. I said, well, ma'am, that doesn't make sense. She said, yeah, it does. I said, "This is what she told me." Farm bureau. I said, "What do you mean it makes sense?" She said, "You see, it's like this: the, sm- the smoking and the drinking that some farmers do is definitely uh, uh, detrimental to the health. But said these farmers get up early and they stay up late and they're active all day long and they're working on the farm and they're under tractors and lifting bags and and they're all day long. You preachers sleep late. You got." All stress. No, you don't exercise. You're you're way overweight on the average, and you're costing us more than the drinking farmers are costing. That's what she told me. So I dropped the preachers group, joined the drinking farmers, and saved money. I mean, really? I, now wait a minute. I need to rephrase that. <laughs> I joined the drinking farmers group. I did not start drinking with the farmers, okay? Look, I'm trying to tell you something. I mean, the facts are there. You can prolong your days physically. By certain physical things, you have a responsibility to live. Jeremiah, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Morally, choose life mentally. Choose life physically. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't think you need to be under law about things. I think everybody in here ought to eat a big, greasy pork chop at least every year just to prove the devil you're not under law about anything. I think that you can biblically eat buzzard as long as you put enough prayer and ketchup on it. Did you know that? I really do. (laughs) But I'm just simply saying... There are certain things you can do physically to prolong or shorten your life. Robert Mary McShane, one of the greatest preachers the world's ever known. I stood in his pulpit in Dundee, Scotland. Rhonda and I both did. I was preaching for a missionary there in England and and went over to Scotland. Stood in his pulpit. Robert Mary McShane, that great, powerful preacher, and died at 29. 29 he's buried outside the church and we walked around there and stood over his grave. Robert Mary McShane abused his body, not with drink and sin, but with his schedule and his eating. And before he died, here's what he said. In that, bro, here's what he said. I was given a message. That was the gospel. He was referring to the gospel. I was given a message and I was given a horse to deliver the message. The horse was his body. At last I have killed the horse And am not able to deliver the message And he died Now when you kill the horse You ain't going to be doing anything else for God You got to quit serving God when you die Whether you want to or not That's it Only one life will soon be passed Only what's done for Christ will last And so we're going to have And God sets before you and I the way of life And the way of death There's certain physical things you can do to prolong it Or shorten it and then I close with this. There are certain eternal things you can do to prolong it forever. John 10 28. Eternal life I give unto them and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. John eleven twenty six 26, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That's what the world out there is looking for. A bunch of body worshipers, all these gymnasiums where everybody's working out and I'm not against that. I just preached about physically trying to take care of yourself but I'm going to tell you something. We're not going to live forever in this world. We're going to live forever in some other world some time. And there's only two worlds out there. One is a place of eternal punishment. The other is a place of eternal bliss and glory. They're both eternal. One is a place where people fall and burn and scream forever and ever. And the other is a place where people rejoice and live for God throughout the eternal ages to roll. And you can live forever. You can live without ever dying. Jesus said, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. D.L. Moody said, someday you'll hear that D.L. Moody's dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I'll be far more alive then than I've ever been in my life. Eternity. Somebody said, how can you live forever? Well, I'll tell you how you don't live forever. I'm standing in Subway some years ago, waiting on a sandwich. And there's a rock and roll singer screaming over my head on that speaker. And I usually try to turn all that out, but I couldn't help but hear the words that he sang. His name was Bon Scott. And here's what he was singing. Highway to hell. Highway to hell. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm bound for the promised land. Hey, Satan, pay my dues. Play it on a rocking band. Highway to hell. Highway to hell. Mocking God. Mocking eternity. Mocking his parents. Mocking the Bible. Yeah. Wasn't long after that he choked to death on his own vomit in a drunken stupor so vile we won't allude to it here. There are certain ways you don't live forever. But it doesn't matter how you live or what you do. He that hath a son hath life and he that hath not the son of God hath not life. Somebody, maybe four or five, but somebody in this room needs to make that decision to live forever this morning instead of dying forever. To be happy forever instead of screaming in hell forever. Somebody needs to make that decision and God brought you here today to hear this message. And about four-fifths of this message has been to Christian people. But I want you to know, anything I preach to the Christians is good for the lost, but if you do not receive Jesus Christ as Savior, someday you, like the rest of us, will die And when you do, you cannot go to heaven. You just cannot.